Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869 or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. Place again to minister and then we want to go a little bit fast. I would like you to come a little bit far with me. Want to be dealing with another gate. Now we are dealing with the eight, I mean the gate with which we enter the city of God. And so this is part six, if I'm not mistaken. And today we're going to be dealing with the gate of Benjamin, uh, one of the gates. So we just read again our main text. Uh, each of these messages, they stand in on their own. So you can buy any of the CDs and you can just follow on with, uh, that particular gate and the instruction that she follow. Um, so Revelation 21 is the main thing. You can read from verse 1 down through verse uh, um, up to 13. But verse, verse, verse 10 tells us about the heavenly Jerusalem coming down, the great city. And then we move down to verse 12 and it talks about the city that had a great wall high and had 12 gates. And at the gates, 12 of angels. And names written therein, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. That's exactly what we're dealing with. Names of the twelve tribe of the children of Israel. And then when you look at Isaiah 48, verse 31 to 32, I mean Ezekiel, Ezekiel 48, 31, 32, the Bible tells us, the gate of the city shall be after the names of the tribe of, of the three of, of Israel, three gates northward that Ezekiel 48, verse 31 and 32. It talks about three gates northward, one gate of Reuben, one gate of Judah, one gate of Levi. But verse 32 is where we are today. It talks about at the east side of four gates, um, 4,503 gates, one gate of Joseph, with death with that gate. And then we're dealing with one gate of who? Benjamin. And the next one is going to be gate of Dan. But today we're dealing with the gate of Benjamin. Uh, who is Benjamin? Praise the living God. Are you there with me? All right. Benjamin, um, Genesis 35 verse 18. Genesis 35 verse 18. Very quickly. It says, And it came to pass as her soul was in part. Okay. Go back to verse 17 so that you can follow who is talking here. And it came to pass when she was, this Rachel, in hard labor, that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, that shall have this son also. I wish you can have such midwives today. Hallelujah. I wish you can understand that the church actually was supposed to be a midwife. I wish you can understand that the role of the midwife is to always encourage those who are in distress. And this actually goes again to explain who Benjamin really is. That's why I'm going to go on. But the midwife said unto her, Fear not, you shall have this also. And it came to pass as so was departing, for she died that she called his name Benonim. But his father called him what? Benjamin. Praise the living God. Now, we find that Benjamin was born through this process, hard labor, which you must also believe at this moment that God has also taken care of through the death and sacrifice of Jesus. You don't have to bring forth through hard labor. Can I hear an amen? Praise the Lord. Okay. I want you to follow. So, Benjamin actually means son of my right hand. And he was the youngest son of Jacob by Rachel. 
like we just read, his birth took place at Ephrata or Ephrat, on the road between Bethel and Bethlehem. It was actually a short distance to Bethlehem where this thing happened. And we find out the mother died giving birth to him. And with his last breath, he named the child Benonim. Benonim. Which means the son of my pain or the son of my sorrow. Praise the Lord. But his father looked at his child and he said, No. This is my youngest child. He cannot be called the son of my sorrow or the son of sorrow. He changed the name from Benonim to Benjamin. Hallelujah. Sometimes what you declare over your children is what God approves. Hallelujah. And you don't have to name any situation because of the situation you find yourself. You don't name people based on your situation. And so maybe you have a child and no money yet and you say poverty. And I think that is crazy. Hallelujah. You know, this is why when you are angry, when you are in pain, don't talk if you can. Did you understand what I'm saying? If you are in pain, if you are in sorrow, if you are angry, don't talk. Don't talk to people. Don't even try to. No, you can't. You'll be, you'll be coming up with things that are not supposed to be coming out. You must understand that you are a child of God and your words carries power and authority. You're listening to me. So when you're angry, don't talk. When you're in pain, don't talk. Is that alright? So, she named the child sorrow, pain. She's trying to use the child or the, the situation. She's trying to describe the child and she described the child with the child. I mean, with the situation that she finds herself, which is not supposed to be. So again, I said, don't ever use environment to name your children. I've had people in those days, they call them moto. Have you heard that? Yeah, because the child will deliver well. I mean, the labor came while the mother was on the road. And so, moto. I've had somebody, I mean, I've seen that. Moto, because the child was born on the road. And these are crazy things. You have to understand that the name you give to your child has a lot to do with the... I mean, if, if not for now, early times the Bible days, names have a lot of meaning. Is that okay? Names have a lot of meaning. You need to understand that. But I even feel it today, names are very, very important. You don't just give names to your children because you just want to give them names. Neither do you name a child because of the circumstance that you find yourself. People don't like you and say, well, hatred. And they give birth to a baby, say hatred. And so, why? He said, people don't like me. And so when I give birth to this child, people don't like me. So, the child is hatred. No, that's crazy. The child might live up his life being somebody that hates people and stuff like that. Amen? But the father said, no, woman, I'm not going to take this from you. Amen? You, 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 you're trying to say this child is a child of sorrow, but I'm saying this child is a child of my right hand. The father changed it. Praise the Lord. Okay. Now, the posterity of Benjamin, um, you can find in Genesis 49, 27, Deuteronomy 33, verse 12. You can check all of that. Yes, you can read about what happened and all of that. So, uh, just like I said, this was supposed to be the youngest child of Jacob through Rachel, like we find in Genesis 35, 16 to 18. 
And again we say, Rachel died while giving back to this son of Enoch, and they called him Sorrow. But the father changed it from Sorrow to what? Child of my right hand. Okay. Um, for Joseph, this child was a great comfort to him. Praise the Lord. When he saw the beloved wife being buried, two things you got to understand. Hallelujah. Joseph, who loses, is also he more, right? Remember, then Joseph is already away, kind of as well. No, you have two of them, Joseph and then uh, Benjamin. Is that okay? Right. Now, this was a sort of comfort because now, you know, Jacob loved Rachel, but Rachel is dead, being buried. And so when Jacob looked at this woman and looked at his child, he could have some comfort from the child in place of the mother. Is that okay? And again, I want to make you understand that sometimes the things that seems to be a things of sorrow may end up turning to be a thing of joy. Amen? You need to also understand the interplay of life at any point in time when you live your life. Don't dwell on the negative all the time. Always make sure you find out the positive in the midst of the negative. Is that okay? I was speaking to somebody a few days ago who was talking to me and I made the person to understand. This is what you understand. When your eyes is single, your whole body shall be full of light. Is that okay? When your eye is single, your whole body shall be full of light. Praise the living God. So the fourth thing you need to think about in life is always looking at the positive side, not the negative side. Is that okay? You, you have to always try to stay on the path of enthusiasm, on the path of optimism, on the path of you know, future glory and hope. Don't always look at the negative things because it will affect you negatively and if you speak it negatively and you don't understand that when you start speaking negatively you are prophesying to your future by the things you say. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. So, here we go. We find that even when Joseph, remember Joseph was already taken, I mean as it were, was supposed to be in Egypt, sold out. Is that okay? So this man was actually in sorrow. But this now was the last son, as it were. And again, you find that that is why when in Genesis 42, for instance, and um, they were trying to say, Reuben should go to Egypt before they can get food. The father was not willing to allow Reuben to go. Because he was saying, I already miss Joseph, I can miss Benjamin. Is that okay? I can't miss Benjamin anymore. I already miss Joseph. Praise the Lord. And the father really loved him. Okay. We also find something about the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin was a very small one anyway. Um, and it was almost exterminated, almost wiped out from the tribe of Israel by the wars they engaged in. Look at Judges chapter 20 from verse 1 to 48. You can find that. Second Chronicles 14 verse number 8 You can also see They have some strength Second Chronicles 17, 17 You can check all of that We are not going to have time to read all of those things But there is something very special about the tribe of Benjamin That I also make you to see One thing was When the three tribes Right? Have left off With Rehoboam And this two tribe Where they went war Against the tribe of Judah 
It was the tribe of Benjamin that stood with the tribe of Judah to fight. There is something I picked from them. They under the fire with the cause of God. They under the fire with the mind of God. They under the fire with the spirit of God. You see, God have already said that the scepter will not depart from Judah. Is that okay? Authority, rulership, even Christ will come from the tribe of Judah. They could be able to see by vision and understanding that this is where God is. So they stood with Judah. Praise the living God. Are you listening to me? Before this world, they almost got them exterminated. But like I said, the clear vision that you have about life is to identify with what God is truly identifying with. Praise the living God. Is that okay? Now, you, you need to get this. Judah was just a single tribe. Benjamin joining them, so we can say they have about two tribes to this sector and the ten tribes to the other side. Ordinarily, you want to join with the one that is most populous. You want to join with the one that seems to be great because they are larger in number. But the vision of the Benjamins is to identify with what God is identifying with. Hallelujah. Are you following me? Come on, are you there with me? Very good. It's identified with what God is identified with. And so the Benjamin identified with Judah. Instead of joining camp with a larger camp, they join camp with his, that, that seems small, that seems little, but God is there. That's the key thing that drives you, even in choice of fellowship, even in the places you should be. Hallelujah. You must remember the simple statement, the stone that the builders refuse shall later become what? The chief corner stone. It's a single stone rejected by the builders. Large quantity of people, I mean numerous, doing their own stuff. But there is one stone God has accepted and that is the stone that the builders rejected. But later become the chief corner stone. Sometimes you realize in life, even in your choice of of having relationship, some people may not be what you think or who you think they are, but God is in their midst. It is with a clear vision you can identify with those people that God has implanted his life and ministry into. And you got to be there because that is what brings the glory at the end of the day. Hallelujah. Want you to pick this? And this is part of the spirit of Benjamin in entering the city. Hallelujah. Okay. Like I said, they also had an aspect that is very, very uncalled for, if I may use the word. The history of the tribe contained a sad record of a desolating civil war in which they were engaging with the other 11 tribes. By it, they were almost exterminated. Judges 2020, Judges um, 21 verse 10, you can check that if you have the time. It's also very important. This is one of the main witnesses that I find in the gate of Benjamin. Engaging in unnecessary warfare. Is that okay? It's very uncalled for. And some of us, we do this. We engage in unnecessary warfare and we call it spiritual warfare. Unnecessary civil war. Sometimes even in families. You go to from families, you see... Catastrophe is going on, troubles going on, people don't greet one another. To me, this is unnecessary civil war that I don't call for. You must understand that the people that were fighting, they were supposed to be their own people, even though the kingdom be divided. Hallelujah. We still find the same thing going on today. 
churches, you know, having clashes with other churches. Members of the same family having the same problem. This is the fault of the gate of Benjamin that we must avoid. A necessary civil war. In the household of faith, in your families, praise the living God. Unnecessary backbiting, unnecessary gossiping, you know, all of these things, we got to avoid them. This is what almost eliminated the whole tribe when they engaged themselves in a call for civil wars. Praise the living God. Amen? That is why God also has to help this country to avoid unnecessary civil war because it can definitely eliminate a nation. We need to understand this. And Christians need to be able to see this from the scriptures. Praise the Lord. Any family that wants to stand must avoid unnecessary civil war. Husband and wife, children, you must un- understand what I'm talking about this morning. You got to avoid unnecessary what? Civil war. What does not call for trouble in the home is not supposed to be made to become a big mountain. Resolve it. Solve it. Nip it in the board. Kill it. Is that okay? Otherwise, you eliminate that family. They could be living under the same roof, but there's nothing connecting them. The family could be dead, but they are still living. Huh? Hallelujah. That's one of the greatest problems about the gate of Benjamin. Praise the Lord. But I want to talk about the good aspect. That is what I'm much more interested in. Hallelujah. Because we're talking about things that takes you into the gate. It's also important anyway. We must find the things that will not make you enter into the gate. Into the city through this gate. One thing with the tribe of Benjamin, they were very famous with their acres. Men who can shoot the arrow. Men who can slick the stone. They were dexterous. You know, they can fight. They can fight. These guys can fight. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And... Um, if you look at the book of Philippians, people like Saul, King Saul, and Apostle Paul, they came from the tribe of Benjamin. You can imagine these kind of people. Warriors. You know, Paul was always killing. They love war. Are you following what I'm talking about? Paul was from the tribe of Benjamin. You can find that in Philippians 3. You remember that? Yes. From the tribe of Benjamin. Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. He a warrior. Think about that. Hmm? They were very good. And uh, I just think that they never truly understood why God gave them those dexterity, those ability to fight wars. They never understood it. They thought the war was to kill some enemies. No, 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 no. You see, Saul was always there and then turn around going after David. That was like a civil war again. They were always misapplying the grace God has given to them. And sometimes we find the same thing. We are, sometimes we call ourselves prayer warriors. And what's the next thing we do? We try to kill people. That's a soul spirit. You see that? A Benjamin mindset. You see Saul? Saul was so mighty religiously. That's another thing. So what happened? Saul went out killing Christians because he wanted to prove he has all it takes to do that. Spirit of a warrior, but in a negative sense. Killing your fellow brother. The same spirit of continuously engaging in civil war. You got to avoid that. 
So Saul was from Benjamin. Saul the king was from Benjamin. And God had to turn Saul into Paul to make use of him. Is that alright? So now, he turned the strength he had in killing people to saving souls. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Good. Now this is where Benjamin's spirit is going to walk in your life. Not the one of killing people, but the one of saving people. Can I hear an amen? Very good. So, let's look at Genesis 49 verse 27. Let's look at the prophecy that uh, Jacob gave. Genesis 49 27. Benjamin shall raven as a wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey. Can you see that? And at night he shall divide the spoil. A warrior. A terrible human being. Think about that. Hmm? You know what the wolf stands for? They are always having target, having, having people. This is very dangerous spirit. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. People pray and then they're having this spoil in the morning. That means these are people that walk some people in the night. <laughs> they kill them all through the night. They do all that kind of things. I, I used to have in those days a little card in the, in the card it is written. Some people pray in the night and pray in the morning. You know the, what a P? P-R-E-Y. The P-R-E-Y in the night and P-R-A-Y in the morning. Do you know what that means? They kill in the night and they pray in the morning. You see? That looks like the spirit of the Benjamites. The wolf. You know? Hallelujah. But God will turn everything around. Amen? Praise the Lord. Okay, so like we said, the father called him Benjamin. This is the most interesting aspect. Uh, which means the son of my right hand. And that's what we're going to be dealing with. How God is turning things around. How God is changing situations. How God is going to change your life. To fit into what he has in mind for you. And what he wants to use you for. So that you can assess the city of God. Hallelujah. So here we go. The son of my right hand. That is the son peculiarly dear to me. The original Hebrew word. This son is peculiarly dear to me. It's precious to me. Sometimes you see, who God really have in you, you are not living it out. Benjamin was so precious and dear to God's heart. I mean to his father. But he grew up trying to live out another life. Maybe because the mother called him sorrow the first time, so he wanted to inflict sorrow on people. I don't know. God already said that Saul was an apostle. He grew up killing people. Some of you are living the life that God has not ordained for you. Jacob said, This son is precious to me. It's peculiar. It's unique to me. But he grew up being somebody else. Killing people. Fighting civil wars. Benjamin Saul. Who later became Paul. God said, even in my mother's womb, he separated me and called me and revealed his son in me. But he grew up killing people. Being religiously, I mean, a fanatic. That guy was a complete Boko Haram. 
Until God said, no, I'm going to use your strengths because you're peculiar to me. Is that okay? He said, the ultimate reason why I raised you is that you have to be a child of my right hand. Hallelujah. And God got his mind achieved. So no matter where you are, no matter who you are, no matter where you think you are going, God is going to get you. He get you for his own glory, for his own use. For the Lord created all things for his pleasure, and for his pleasure they were all what? Created. You are not going to live your life outside of what God has for you. God is going to get you. He's going to get you back to himself and use you to his praise and glory. No matter how many years you've been wandering, you're going to come back home. Hallelujah. Son of my right hand. This is very important. Let's turn to the book of Psalm 80, verse 17. Hallelujah. Because that's what it really stands for. Somebody I love, somebody I cherish. So, Psalm 80, verse 17. Let thy right hand be upon the man of thy right hand. Can you get that? Upon the son of man whom thou madest strong for thyself. This is basically talking about Jesus. Let thy right hand be upon the man of thy right hand. Now, you watch this. He said, Benjamin is on my right hand. Is that okay? So what it means is, upon the son of whom thou made a strong for thyself. The one that will be on your right hand will be a strong person. Let your right hand rest upon the one that is on your right hand. Let strength, let ability be given to the one that is upon your right hand. And now when Jacob said, Benjamin is the son of my right hand, what he's saying is, I'm going to release strength upon this child. And not just that, I'm going to use him to achieve what I need to achieve. Praise the Lord. Are you with me? Let thy hand be upon the man of what? Thy right hand. And upon the son of man, who is the son of man in the Bible? Jesus Christ. Good. Whom thou made strong for thyself. No, no, no. If you want to begin to look at the strength of Jesus, what is the strength of Jesus for? That's the ultimate goal. Of the right hand. What's the strength of Jesus for? Saving mankind. Did you get it? You're looking at me. Do you know who Jesus is? <laughs> the man of the right hand. I want you to understand that. Let thy hand be upon. Now look at what Nehemiah said. He said the right hand of the Lord is upon me. What he means to say is. I'm going to succeed in building the walls of Jerusalem. Because his right hand is what? He's upon me. It brings favor. It brings grace. It brings everything. So he now said. Let thy hand be upon the man of who? Of the right hand. That means the hand of God rests upon those who are on the right hand. And so Benjamin was qualified to receive strength. Now he was applying and misapplying rather. The strength that has got him. Being the right hand of the father. And I'm getting the saying, I'm saying again, this is precisely some of the things we do. We abuse the power that God has given to us. We misapply the power that God has given to us. Just like Benjamin was. Just like Saul was. Just like Paul was before he became Paul. Hallelujah. So the only person we can say to be at the right hand of God is 
I mean, as an intercessor is who? In Jesus Christ. Look at the book of Hebrews 10. Verse 12. Hebrews 10 verse 12. Verse 12. Hebrews 10 verse 12. 1, 2. And he said, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin, forever, sat down. Where? On the right hand of who? Of God. Remember what we said in Psalm 87? Let your right arrest upon the one I have called. Let your, let your right arrest upon the Son of Man. Did you get that? Praise the living. Are you seeing it? So we know that he's talking about Jesus. So when we read that in Psalm 80 verse 17, Lay thy hand be upon the man of thy right hand, upon the Son of Man, that is Jesus now, whom thou makest strong. And I want you to pick it because it's very, very important. You know what the prayer is like? We the Jews appoint Jesus for this purpose to do what? To become our deliverer. Let him become the one to save us. I want you to begin to understand what the Benjamin stands for. The gate of Benjamin is the one who turns you to become a savior. An intercessor. Praise the living God. Come on. Are you with me? Very good. And let his strength be manifested in our weakness. Paul said, I'm made strong, but in weakness. In fact, Second Corinthians, I'm sure to have. He said, you are made strong in what? In weakness. Is that okay? In other words, of ourselves, we can do nothing. Our ability to do whatever in life must come from him. So, it's like the Jews are praying here. We might not be strong enough, but let the Messiah come to deliver us. Because your hand is upon him whom you've called to make strong. Amen? But who we are the Jews, as it were, bring us to the place of restoration through the ministry of Jesus the Messiah. This seems to be the prayer in Psalm 18:17. Praise the living God. So we find that it's like saying by him alone we can find peace. By him alone we can find joy. By him alone we can find deliverance. This is what they were talking about in Psalm 80:17. Make him strong. Let this man at your right hand be the one that will come to save us. Praise the Lord. Now I'm trying to give you the true definition of the word Benjamin. Is that alright? So when you become a Benjamin, you're functioning in the spirit and in the dimension of being a deliverer, an intercessor, the one that shows mercy, the one that shows love, the one that shows goodness. Are you following me? That's what makes you a Benjamin. Hallelujah. I'm going to show you something. Now, David was prophetic about this name. Let's look at Psalm 89 verse 21. I got some 10 minutes more. Psalm 89 verse 21. He said, With whom my hand shall be established, my arm also shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not ex- exalt upon him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. And I will beat down his foes before his face. Verse 23. And place them that hate him. But thy faithfulness and mercy, and my mercy shall be with him. And in thy name shall his son be what? Exalted. Verse 29. He shall cry unto me. 
that my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Verse 27 says, also I will make him my firstborn, higher than the kings of the earth. Who is he talking about? Jesus. But this was David, just prophetic of Jesus. So, we're describing the magnification, the exaltation of the Christ, who is the man at the right hand of who? Of God. Now, when you come, help me now. When you come to be sitting, okay, give it to me. Colossians, Colossians 3, very quickly, verse 1. When you come to understand what it means to be a Benjamite, you must begin to see. Look at this. Colossians 3, verse 1. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are, but which are, where Christ seated where? At the right hand of God. So, what is in the right hand of God? Dominion, power, mercy, grace. Seek those things. So, what is it telling you to seek? Seek dominion. Christ has been exalted. All enemies on the feet. The Benjamin spirit is a, is a spirit that reduces enemies to on the feet. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Is anybody catching what I'm talking about? Let's see part of what he did. Second Corinthians 5 verse 18. Spirit of a Benjamite. That will open the gate for you into the city. And all these things are of God. Who are reconciled us. To himself by Jesus Christ. We can say by the man at the right hand. <laughs> so one of the things that connects. To the right hand of God. Is just not the spirit of dominion. But the spirit of reconciliation. Are you seeing that? Praise the living God. And say, had given to us what? The ministry of reconciliation. What is that supposed to mean? If he came to reconcile, and is given to us the ministry of reconciliation, it means God is saying, you are Benjamites. Hallelujah. Look at the next verse. Verse 19. So we that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and had committed unto us the word of what? Reconciliation. Verse 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ that be a what? Reconciled to God. Praise the Lord. Are you there with me? Are you following me? I want you to understand what I'm talking about because this is very crucial for us. Very crucial for us. Entering the city. The main thing is you are defined by the ministry of reconciliation as a Benjamite. This is why you should be out there winning souls. That's the ministry of a Benjamite. Reconciling men to God. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Let me show you something. Numbers, give me from NIV. Numbers, I mean Job, Job 33. I'm reading, going to read very fast. Job 33 from verse 14. Job 33 from verse 14. NIV. For God does speak now one way or another, though many may not perceive. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on men as they slumber in their beds, he may speak in their ears and terrify them with warnings. To turn man from wrongdoing and keep him from pride. To preserve his soul from the pit, his life from perishing by the sword. 
Or a man may be chasing on a bed of pain with constant distress in his bones. So that his very being find food repulsive and his soul lost the choicest me. One minute. Have you come to that stage sometime in your life? We are eating because you know, I don't feel like eating. I've lost appetite. Have you had people say I've lost appetite? God is working on something. All things work together for good. The Bible says God does that. And he's doing it for a reason. So that his very being find food repulsive and his soul loathes the choicest meal. And then the next thing says, verse 21. His soul draws near to the pit, like to death now, and his life to the messengers of death. Yet if there is an angel on his side as a mediator, I want you to catch that. Who is a mediator? An intercessor. And who is an intercessor? The man at the right hand of God. And what is that supposed to mean? A Benjamite. This man is about to perish. This man is about to die. I mean, he's no longer interested. He, he don't feel like eating anymore. Sleep is gone. He can't even sleep. Suffering from insomnia. If there is a Benjamite, Hallelujah. One out of a thousand to tell a man what is right for him. Go to the next verse. Verse 24. To be gracious to him and say, spare him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom for him. You see the ministry of Jesus here? You see a Benjamin here? He is our ransom. Do you understand that? Very good. Look at the next thing, verse 25. Then his flesh is renewed like a child's. It is restored as in the days of what? Of his youth. If there is a Benjamin, my friend, listen to me. God is trying to talk to us this morning. People should not be perishing while you are there. Now, People shouldn't be perishing while you are there. People shouldn't be suffering while you are there. We are talking of the gate of Benjamin. How to assess this city. We are talking of men who are intercessors. We are talking of men who are mediators. We are talking of men who can speak to God and say, For my sake, let this man be free. If there be an angel. If there be a mediator. Hallelujah. He said, if they can speak a word to these people, oh my goodness. The word is not just a matter of consolation. You first have spoken to God, you can speak life to the people you are speaking to. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. Jesus will speak to the Father and say, Lord, forgive them their sins. He stands as a mediator. He stands as an advocate. He stands as an ascensor. God is saying, you can intercede on behalf of people to God. And God will set them free. That's a Benjamin. How many people do you pray for? Now the only prayer you know how to pray is how your enemy should die. That's what the church does. But the Benjamin saves people. He is a mediator. He is an intercessor. He made the same ransom. Some people could be sleeping while you are praying on their behalf. 
How many of you have come to the place where you want people to come out of the pit they are going into? Men are perishing, but the Benjamin cannot have slept. They have to get these people out because they stand as intercessor and ransom people before God. That is the spirit of a Benjamin. Who are you? Talk to me. Hallelujah. Are you a Saul before you become a Paul? Beautiful. God wants you to save people. People shouldn't die when you are there. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Turn with me to Malachi chapter 2 verse 7. And look at what it means. The intercessors, the Benjamin. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve what? Knowledge. And from his mouth men should seek instruction because is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. So you see what we have? We just read in Job 33. If there be a messenger, if there be an intercessor, what are these people supposed to know who are perishing? It should come from your mouth and you are not only interceding. You are giving them instruction on the way to live. Now don't forget, God is warning them. God is doing this because of what they've done. Going back to Job 33. Is that okay? But now you know the mind of God. You come to these people. You explain to them exactly what God has in mind. And the Bible says you raise them from the realm of dead. The Bible says their strength is restored just like a child's body. That's the ministry of a Benjamin. Who are you? Praise God. And the Bible says we are ambassadors. Let me just touch you very quickly and then I'll be done. Ambassadors. Who are ambassadors? Like we read in first Corinthians, I mean second Corinthians five verse twenty. You say we're ambassadors. We read that before? God has given us ministry of what? Reconciliation. And what is that supposed to mean? Many we are actually supposed to be functioning as the tribe of Benjamin. So every one of us is a Benjamite because we're ambassadors. Can I hear an amen? Is anybody following me at all? You following what I'm talking about? Amen. Ambassador number one is a person sent from one sovereign nation or authority to another. That's an ambassador. And he's supposed to represent the person of the sovereign by whom he is asked to deputize for. So you have ambassadors from Nigeria to Ghana. They are representing the authority of Ghana. I mean of Nigeria where? In Ghana. They have all the powers of Nigeria backing them where in Ghana so if we're ambassadors it means we are heavenly people but residing where on the earth with authority and power on behalf of heaven you listening to me come on are you there with me very good so what we find that ah oh, Christ while on earth represented God how many of you understand that Come on, are you with me? Did I represent a God? Then, when the apostles and those who succeeded Christ came into the scene, they represented Christ. Are you seeing the chain? Praise the living God. So, what is that supposed to mean? If we are Christ's ambassadors, that means we are doing what? Representing Christ. Now, if Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, what are you representing or producing on the earth? The power and the dominion of what? The right hand of God, where Christ seated. That's why I say, seek those things where Christ seated, where? At the right hand of God. That's the spirit of a Benjamin. Reconciling men. We are ambassadors. 
for Christ. Upper Christo presbyonemen. That is the way it is in the original Greek. It means we execute a function of ambassadors in Christ's stead. By implication, everything Christ tried to do or did, we are supposed to do. As his representative. We can be anything less. Nigeria embassy in Ghana or any other way in the world is as powerful as Nigeria. In fact, the embassy is a country in another country. Do you understand that? Praise the Lord. Jesus came from the Father to mankind on this important, important assignment and he was residing at the embassy because ambassadors stays at the embassy. So if you're ambassadors, you must understand that you reside at the embassy. And that is why the world must recognize you in that sense because you don't toy with the children of the ambassador in the embassy in another country. That's why the devil can't mess with you because you are in the embassy of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The Bible now says, let's we beseech you as though God beseech you by us. What are we saying here? God is begging. I say, come with this warm love. Come back to me. Hallelujah. He's not weak. He's not fainting. He's begging. He's praying us to come back to God. There is something I want to show you here. Being ambassador is the revelation of the full masses of God to creation. Let me see this. Have you ever seen a judge? Huh? I mean a chief judge in the high court. Pleading with a condemned criminal to accept pardon. It's a condemned criminal. And the judge is sitting. This man is a criminal. Sentenced to death. And he said, I beg you, accept pardon. I want to pardon you. You are condemned already, but I want to pardon you. The judge pleading. Have you seen that? Okay. Have you seen a debtor? I mean, a creditor come to the house of his debtor. And he said, I beg you. I forgive you what you are owing me. Have you seen that? But that's what God did. God is the judge that wants to condemn the world, but he came pleading with men to do what? Come, I have accepted my pardon. That is Christ. He goes to you, you are owing so much. Remember what the scripture says? Forgive us our debts, even as we forgive others. And he came to you saying, I know you are owing me, but I forgive you. Come, 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 I forgive you. You are not the one begging for forgiveness. He's the one begging to tell you to accept his forgiveness. That even the debt you are owing, don't pay anymore. That is what it means to an ambassador. Is anybody following me? Praise the living God. So you see, as a Benjamin, God is sending you out into the world to plead with men, to tell them God has forgiven you. God is not really angry with you. God say your debt he has forgiven. Just come back to him. You are sentenced to death. God is begging you. He has cancelled your death sentence. Come back to him. That is what it means to be a Benjamite. How many of you are going to the street? How many of you are talking to people? How many of you can open the eyes of people to know that even in the state they are, God has forgiven them? That is the spirit of a Benjamite. That is why you can't sit in one place. You are an ambassador. 
You can be in your home. You are an ambassador. Ambassadors represent another country in another country. You got to be out there to make people know what your country has. To make people know what God has in mind for them. Even those that are condemned to death. He's saying all your death sentence have been cancelled. I've forgiven you. Come back home. I'm begging you to accept my pardon. I'm begging you. How many of you understand when we talk about the Lamb of God? Remember that? The Lamb of God means the Lamb that belongs to God. God's own Lamb. Man has his own Lamb to make sacrifice. But God said now I have my own Lamb that I'm going to accept. Accept my lamb. Forget your lamb. Same thing. Accept my burden. Forget all the troubles you think you've committed. All the pains you think you are going through. I've forgiven you. The debt you're owing. Come on. Don't think about it. I've forgiven you. In Christ, receive my forgiveness. This is what the Bible is all about. And so lay the gate of Benjamin. They can do this. How many of you are ready to walk? How many of you are ready to go out there? How many of you are ready to talk to people that God have truly forgiven them? That you are a Benjamin from today. You are, you, can you see why Saul was doing what he was doing? Can you see why he was saying even death amounts to nothing? Can you see why he was saying even death cannot separate us? He saw what God was saying. He could go out, go anywhere and say, God has forgiven you. You can't stay where you are. You can't suffer anymore. The sacrifice of Jesus is sufficient for you to be released.